time. It is it is that time of week, Friday hoops, and I am here with the Canadian bomber, the Canadian shaman, the Canadian Bill Simmons, and the Canadian Zach Lowe. Nico Miatella, what's up? Not much, man. That's uh, always lofty titles to live up to, but I'm I'm glad to be doing it today. I. I'm excited to get going with this story you were telling me. We're going to do some storytelling on today's pod as well. Story time. So I was a little lad, and uh, I was exposed to a lot of things early on in life, maybe some seedy, underbelly things. One was horse racing. (laughs) So my dad thought it'd be a good idea to take his young son to the track. And he had all his little degenerate friends with him, right? And they all knew about the horses and all oh, this horse does this and this and this trainer does this. And I got all this, you know, I got like the the key to making money. Yeah. So I sat there and I was like, well I have a couple dollars, right? I was like, would somebody please bet for me, right? So I start to see a trend, like, I don't know, third race on. Now I'm hit mm-hmm. on the first two because really, honestly, it was pure luck. Yeah. But then I'm starting to, like, pay attention to what's going on. And they had a jockey by the name of Lafitte Pinkai Jr., it's like really famous jockey or whatever. And he had a he had a day at Hollywood Park one time where he won like all the races. <laughs> and that was the day I was there. Oh my God. <laughs> so I just start picking him. I was like, oh, this dude's awesome. He must he must know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So now, as now, I'm just betting one horse, you know, ah, to win. He's gonna win. Yeah. As we leave Hollywood Park that day, mm-hmm. I have 165 dollars. Now, 165 dollars in 1980 for an eight-year-old child, probably yeah. really good. That's a million bucks. Yeah. <laughs> And all these other idiots had zero dollars. Like, there's people who can't, don't have gas money really to get home. Yeah. Okay. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at everybody. I'm like, ah, oh, it didn't go well for you. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you clearly, didn't pick the guy. Clearly, y'all didn't see this guy had won like four races in a row. We just picked the dude, right? Yeah. You got all these. High level thoughts on, you know, he runs better on uh, the turf, and he, you know, uh, this one is a a downwind, you know, uh, sprinter. All this other, this trainer is really good in the mile and a half or whatever. Yeah, like, or just go with the jockey that's hot. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes it's as easy as that. I think that's a 
a great allegory for basketball overall. Like we talk about all these different nuances between these teams and what team should win what game. But sometimes it just comes down to is Steph Curry going to hit 10 out of 12 threes? Because if that happens, you win. It doesn't matter anything else. Sometimes it's just that simple. It's the the right person on the right day is playing well, and it changes everything. With that being said, I think I got some some uh, some things, some observations that I want to run past you. We didn't even talk about this, so this is like just straight off top of your dome. Mm-hmm. How many? actual difference makers going off the theme of what we just talked about how many actual difference makers are there in the nba well i think generally speaking um i tend to shy towards more as opposed to less on this scale because a lot of people um won't give that same credit to people who haven't necessarily won titles before, but watching a guy like Damian Lillard play and snatch victory from the jaws of defeat time after time, you have a hard time convincing me he's not a difference maker like that. So I I'd sit somewhere uh, around the 12 to 15 mark of difference makers that are in the league. Oh, that's, yeah, that's That's a high number. Mm -hmm. So you're telling me either you think that the 13th best guy in the league, if he changed franchises, that's probably like the same range for me. He would make, okay, so who do you consider? 12, 13, 14, 15. Who's in that range? I think we're looking at guys like Dame, like John Morant, like Anthony Davis. Like that, that, well, Anthony Davis might be a a little bit higher. Yeah, no, he's not. He's closer to like eight, nine, but. What? Uh, maybe Donovan Mitchell is in a similar range. He he's probably the line for me. Like Donovan Mitchell and below, I think aren't quite those difference makers. But um, the the people over top that level of play, I believe, are difference makers. I do not think Anthony Davis is top ten. Oh, you don't think so? No. 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 I. I get. I. Understand. I don't think he's top fifteen. I don't even think he's top fifteen at this point. That's fair. That's well. If you're, I guess it depends how you're looking at it. Because if you're looking at what Anthony Davis gives you throughout a regular season, he's probably he might not even be top twenty five necessarily. But um, if if you're putting me in the playoff series and you're giving me a certain amount of guys, Anthony Davis is going to be a lot higher for me than a lot of the other guys on the list. Can I ask a question without sounding condescending? Yeah, sure. Is that really how, like, the guys talk about it in, like, the Discord? 
uh, about like, Anthony Davis? No, just players in general. Like, if I have, if I'm winning, if I'm just talking about playoffs, like you already discounted the regular season to a point, right? Yeah, yeah. That well, I think I I'm not sure that's how they talk about it necessarily. But for me, once you get in specifically to the conversation about difference makers that's kind of where my mind goes because I'm thinking of a guy who's going to make a difference in the games that matter. I'm not really worried about what you're doing in the regular season. Huh. Yeah, you and I have a different definition on what a difference maker is because I'm that's thinking true. I'm thinking like if you put Donovan Mitchell on the on the Knicks right now, they don't mm-hmm. win a championship. No, no, they no, and I uh, like even in my estimation, Donovan Mitchell, I wouldn't have as a difference maker. I was trying to say he's like the line that everyone's looked who's like at Donovan Mitchell's level approximately is probably not, and everyone who's better than Donovan Mitchell probably is the difference maker mm-hmm. in my mind. Mm-hmm. So is Trey Young a difference maker? Uh, he showed the potential to be one, but at what we've seen from him the last two years, he's not at that level. Okay, so Dame would be on this list, right? Yes, Dame is definitely on the list. So if I took Dame and I put him on the Knicks, would they win a championship? Uh, no, but I don't think they're. if you put Giannis on the Knicks, they're winning a championship. I don't really? think I don't think there's anyone you can just drop on this Knicks team and they're necessarily the best team in the league. I think the the league is very balanced right now. It's going to be hard to get over some of these teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking if you took Giannis and dropped him in a Nick uniform, it drastically changes who they are. Yeah, absolutely. And they're like Eastern Conference Finals, like no doubt every year. Uh, going, going for championships. I don't know about that. I don't know if they're uh, Eastern Conference Finals, no doubt. I I think they need this roster to be overhauled. I mean, I, literally, let's say because if you took the position they play, right? You took Julius yeah. and switched him and put Giannis. You know, talking about just. Yeah, just swap them teams. Yeah. I'm just thinking, like, if you put Giannis on this team, now Hardenstein would have a, a role. <laughs> yeah, he would for sure, but you have absolutely no spacing in the front court, and I think you're way more guardable because against that team, you can build the wall against Giannis. And we've seen people successfully build the wall against Giannis several times. There's no Brooke Lopez. There's no Bobby Portis. There's no one who's going to present that threat from distance. So you're going to end up with Giannis taking a lot of jump shots in the playoffs. And that's a recipe for the Bucks to lose a series. We've seen okay. that happen many times. So let's go to Jokic. You put Jokic on uh, on New York. Do they win a championship? I, or are they it, in a championship mix? It, it's it's very difficult to win a championship with a guy like Jokic. And a defensive front court of Jokic and Randall might give me an aneurysm. Okay. Uh, and how about Embiid? 
I I don't think so. I don't I don't think there's a guy you can just drop on this team. I weirdly the guy who might be the most qualified is probably Luca. If you have Luca in that RJ Barrett role, because you have Tibbs. Tibbs can figure out defense with a guy like Luca for sure. We've seen him get like good offensive players to defend adequately several times. I think Luca's probably their best chance to win the championship if you just drop him on this team. But even then, I think it'd be very difficult. All right. Well, this was a good thought ex- exercise with this because I just wanted to see where we were with like because I would think a team like the Knicks are your kind of like your test subject because they're yeah. they're good, they're just not title contending mm-hmm. good as far as that's concerned. Yeah, sorry, sorry to my New York brethren out there that I don't think you're title contending at this point. I think you're a move away. If I'm not mistaken. You know, weirdly, weirdly, the Nets might be a good example for this going forward because they're kind of a team that's structured with really good defense, really good spacing, and like the the right players to function in the playoffs. <laughs> so they're kind of a team that makes the most sense for me in my head to just air lift and drop a superstar in the only difficulty they really have is shot creation so assuming the superstar helps with that they're probably going to be like a a title contender like that in my mind at least so i i think if you were to air and drop a guy like dame onto the nets they'd be on the periphery of contention for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if they won the East. So what you're saying is that you want a staged house. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Staged house. I think that's the best way for me to visualize the difference maker conversation anyways. Which leads me into my next question. Mm -hmm. We talked about something off air pre-production wise. Yeah. And I'm going to allow you to speak on what I said. At this point in time, just as purely as an evaluator of talent and looking Mm -hmm. at today's NBA, because you led me right down this road. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm taking Brandon Miller, number two overall. So Victor will be one, Brandon Miller will be two, and Scoot will be three. At this point mm-hmm. in time, now here's my here's my my one thing I will say. I don't necessarily think I would if I was a GM. I don't think I would necessarily have them on my board. I know that's that seems like an oxymoron, but talent wise and what today's NBA is wanting, I. I could do a lot with him. He's plug and play. He's what you want. He's a starter home piece. He's a stage home piece. Yeah. I I definitely feel differently, but I'll I think I'll break it down into a few parts. The 
the first part is just that my prospect evaluation is different on Brandon Miller. I'm significantly lower than you are. I I still uh, I'm higher on him than I was at the beginning of the year. I've definitely moved him in within my top ten. I I think he's outside my top five right now, though. I think there are five guys I like better than him in the class currently. Who, who um, I would hope that one of those guys would be Jarris Walker. Uh, Jer- yeah, Jarris Walker is amongst the group. I really like Eamon Thompson, and I I really like Keontae George as well. I see some some special stuff out of Keontae George. Um. And I, I feel like there's someone else I'm forgetting. Honestly, I, I've got a few guys I like in this class. I, the Brandon Miller, to me, if you would have asked me the same question, I think three years ago, I probably would have been irresponsibly high on Brandon Miller because he's the type of prospect that used to really infatuate me. He's got so many skills and his game is like you said, tailor made for the current NBA. But what I struggle with is I don't personally believe he really has that one elite skill to separate him. I don't, I'm not sure. I believe the scoring is that I think the defense is adequate I think the handle is much better than I thought it was, but it's not anything you want to write home about. I I don't know. Uh, finishing inside, same story. I don't know what he does necessarily to make him that that guy. And Scoot has a plethora of those qualities in my head. Even when you're talking about the current NBA, uh, looking at the teams around, even, again, looking specifically at my Rockets, everyone drink, um, shot creation is still king. If you don't have anyone who can create shots, either for themselves or other players, you can't have a functioning offense. And Scoot, two best qualities I would say are creating shots for himself and then creating shots for other players. He's going to create for your offense instantaneously. And I'm not as worried about fit because I kind of think he can work in most situations. The only need he really has is to have the ball in his hands. So like just unless you have a Lamelo type I I think you move other people out of the way and let Scoot go. I probably, out of the prospects I've watched in the last four or five years, I I, I might only have like Victor and Zion ahead of Scoot. They're, he is in rarefied air for me. I like him so much more than these other guards we've had in recent years. Can he play off ball? I think so. He hasn't done much of it so far at this point, but often he's asked to play off ball when like City Sissoko or Leonard Miller are initiating offense. 
and those guys are looking to create their own shots. He's they haven't done much with him and London Johnson on the court at the same time, and he's another player who functions kind of similarly to Scoot. I don't think he's at Scoot's level or anything, but he runs offense in the same way, and he hasn't been asked to do that at all, which is something I question a little because I love Jalen Green uh, uh, (laughs) pre-draft. QPPN listeners will remember. And the one of the thing the thing basically I love so much is all the stuff they did with him off ball. We haven't seen any of that in the, in the NBA so far, but they let they did a lot of really creative stuff with him, and he showed like uh, propensity and intelligence for it. So I'm surprised that they haven't tried to run Scoot very much with another guard. Um, I I I believe he can play off ball though because he works hard enough and you even see him out there setting screens the type of size and guy he is i think he will develop off ball definitely i really want scoot to to succeed i really want scoot to succeed my my issue is is i think he has to go to like the correct team they would have to have a bunch of shooters around him for it to work. I I think he can kind of shoot, so I'm not like necessarily as worried about that. It's I, so sporadic. It is, it is, but he's still quite young and like like we said, he hasn't done much stuff off ball, so generally off ball is when you develop that nice form. I think if you get him in the NBA with an NBA shooting coach who where he can now focus on that part of his game, he's going to be a good shooter because you don't show like the level of touch that he's shown not only on the floater game but on free throws and on the pull-up jump shot. The pull-up jump shot is significantly better than the spot-up, and that's like never true for anyone. So you can tell it's likely just reps. I want to see him rev it down. Like I want I don't want it to be breakneck speed. I'm not seeing different levels of pace I, with I, him yet. I think I think I've seen different levels of pace at times. I can maybe we'll watch a a game together or something because I I think I might have some good examples of him going doing the fast and slow stuff. He generally against teams that that move quickly, he's very happy to get out there and run, but at times he can be a little more methodical too. Normally when he starts like the step back on a play, he then like re-examines the floor and tries to go into another set or something. I've seen him do it a few times, so hopefully I can pinpoint some of that on Phil. Yeah, I need to see it more. I need to see a more consistent level of that, that he's willing to do that before I turn my my offense over to him. The one thing that I wanted, and this might sound very hot takey, but it's not to me, and I'll put some thoughts behind it. And then, Nico, you tell me exactly what you think of this. If I was going to put that time and effort into somebody, Mm -hmm. I would want to do it with Eamon Thompson because of the 6'6", 6'7", frame. 
mm-hmm. and the ability that he's going to see over defenses. And uh, I love the athletic skill of both Scoot and Amen Thompson. Uh, Scoot Henderson being Scoot Henderson and Amen Thompson being Amen Thompson. But if I think if I was going to look at it that way and I was going to say uber athlete to uber athlete, I would think I would want to put all my wealth of development into Amen Thompson just because of the, the size difference. Is that, am I crazy? Am I, is, am I just overlooking this? He's, he does remind me a lot of Derrick Rose. Yeah. He's That's why I'm so, I'm scared to even say what I'm saying, but I'm looking at today's NBA and I'm going, I get it. I, I want that because that I, looks more prototypical to what I'm trying to do. That that's fair. I I understand that perspective to a certain extent. However, like if you just look at there's I, I love Amen and I don't mean to disrespect him in any way, but if you just look at their skills as actual basketball players mm-hmm. and their touch on the floor, Scoot is in a different world than Eamon. He's also a full year younger than Eamon at this point. And he's playing against men in the G League where Eamon's playing against mostly high schoolers and overtime elite. It, I, I think Eamon is an impressive prospect for sure. And I, I love the creation at that size. He's another guy who I think would look great on the Rockets, but everybody a player, drink. <laughs> a player like Scoot is just to me like once almost like a once in a decade prospect that you you just don't get guys like this who care like this and work like this, have the body like he's built like a full grown man already. <laughs> like this and like come into the league ready to create for others ready to learn and improve i'm you kind of can't miss on scoot in my mind i i think he's almost guaranteed to have some level of success i wonder what kendall thinks about scoot henderson yeah he loves him Oh, he does. Yes, he is. Yes. He's bring. See, you guys are bringing me back to just because I've always been the type of guy. Give me the best prospect. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I've kind of zagged on my like. Oh no, that dude can play basketball. Yeah, I can just see it. Because the Desmond Bain thing wasn't analytics or anything like that. I just mm-hmm. said that dude can play basketball at a high level. I think I'm I will put my reputation on that guy. Yeah. And right. I felt that way about Mowgli. You know how I felt about Mowgli, and I was I felt I'm I feel right on that one. Mm-hmm. I mean wrong. Young guys making bad choices. Um yeah. But now um, the thing with Scoot is that I do see all of these traits that you're you're telling me about. The only thing is I want I don't want him just to be an athlete. I want I understand that you can out athlete people, mm-hmm. 
but I want him to be able to mentally impose his will yeah. on the game. And I understand that comes with time. He's young. Get that part. I just I- wish the if I if you got a tape that says that he slows it down and you play at different gears, then I can say, okay, I can see a developed path, a developmental path that he will get there. Mm-hmm. But what I've seen, because I think that game against um, Victor was a little telling, because he was he was ready to go. Oh yeah, he was ready to go. He was ready to like. Real that's that's like scoop. That guy definitely exists. If you are in the big lights and you need Scoot to make the game about himself, he is ready to do that. And I've I, I've seen it several times from him. But there are definitely other situations where the game takes on a slower pace, and he matches it and orchestrates it. And the. I, I'm very hesitant to say this name because I don't see necessarily all of it in their uh, player styles, but I've seen a lot of people make Chris Paul comparisons. Mm-hmm. And there there are times you can see elements of the CP3, okay, stop what's going on right now. We are scratching this entire play. We are rerunning a different play (laughs) that whether it's something he came up with or it's some audible the coaches have worked in, he's willing to do that at times and often can exploit defenses doing that. Also, the touch. The touch is the thing that athletes generally don't have and his touch is special he knows how to put the ball in the hoop it's so soft everywhere on the floor is he's a, he's a rare prospect i feel weird having him second because i i really love scoot coming into the year i was way more open to the idea of scoot over victor but as soon as we started to see victor it was never gonna happen uh, but man i i love that kid <laughs> i hope he comes to houston then my concern then you said it in your praise and your analysis of him when the bright lights are on he wants to take it all over and can well, we can we beat that out of him a little bit? Oh, I, I, hold I'm on. Not whoa, sure. whoa, whoa. Let me yeah. let me reframe that. Is there any way we can curtail that out of him? Uh, I'm not sure it's necessarily like a thing that is ingrained in him as much as the fact that he plays for G League Ignite. And often G League Ignite puts him in situations where they're asking him to do that and when when they ask him to do that he's ready to do it that's not going to be the case in the nba we're not going to need scoot to come show why he got drafted or whatever unless it's like a summer league game or which he probably won't play or like uh like the the time in the season we're in right now like the game's 68 and on when it doesn't matter anymore maybe then you need scoot to go off and it's all about scoot but besides that in the nba that's not going to be the case anymore i think it more shows his ability to perform under pressure i don't think it's as much him trying to make the game about himself 
What do you think Scoot Henderson's ceiling is? Like, I'm going to throw a couple names out to you. <laughs> At the end of the day, is he better than Dame career-wise? That's a tough one. I, I, I'm hesitant to say yes, that any prospect will be better than a Hall of Famer, but I could see it. It's possible. Okay. All right. Is he going to be better than James Harden? Uh, I I think it's the same the same conversation. I I don't know. It, it's really hard to say that any prospect is going to be that good. I, I you're looking at like maybe a five percent chance, but he he could be. He. He could be better than almost any guard we've ever seen, hypothetically, just because of the physical build, the intangibles, and the touch. Like the starting point is so high that if hypothetically he develops like a player like LeBron develops, yes, yeah, he could be better than everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll just have to see the. I'll have to see the be able to process the information. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of. I just want to go kill people. Yeah, with him. he's got that instinct because he did it in the uh, in the Rising Stars game. Mm-hmm. You know, he went he went for that dunk. Yeah, like he went underneath the rim and then came back under. Mm-hmm. And then Jabari Smith Jr. was like, "No, nah, player, we don't do it. No, 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 <laughs> no." No, no, no. You are not having this moment on this stage and you haven't arrived yet. No. Actually, I think that that might be a good a point here uh, to to wrap it up. I I want to wrap the, this this section up the Brandon Miller versus Jaw or not versus Jaw, Brandon Miller versus Scoot conversation. Um, last year, I had Jabari Smith ahead of a guy like Paolo. And I think a lot of it had to do with the same conversation. This is kind of about where um, Jabari Smith is the prototype of the player you want in the NBA right now. He can play the small ball five. He can, he's really a four. He can defend all the positions, and he can uh, shoot the three. That's that's what you'd want. So ideally, that player type fits so so well that it had me very infatuated with Jabari. Whereas you look at a guy like Paolo, and it's more of like a heliocentric option. You're not too sure how he's going to play with other players, though the passing has shown to be better than we all ever would have hoped. Same with the defense, but at the time we weren't so sure his defense was going to be at such a high level. He's a little bigger. There was a lot of conversations about this sweat (laughs) problem that isn't a thing. But the thing I, I personally 
didn't take into account enough is the, the touch, the actual basketball ability on the floor. Paolo has that in spades. And I think we're kind of looking at a similar conversation with Jabari versus Scoot, where, or not uh, Jabari versus <laughs> them, with uh, Brandon versus Scoot. I I think the, the just straight up basketball talent with Scoot is in such a different world. I don't know. I I'm just drafting that guy every time at this point. I think I wanna focus more on taking good basketball players in my uh mocks. So uh, that's a lesson I think I've kind of learned this year. I've always said put dude traits over, you know, just mm-hmm. conventional basketball wisdom. I've always done it. Um, the one thing that I will say about Brandon Miller, though, is that he does give you a lot more of uh, offense initiation on his own that Jabari Smith Jr. never did. Now, obviously, he had guards that didn't want to pass him the ball in college and it also looks okay. like he has it in the pros so no 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 ball for you buddy no ball for you god i almost want win by yama to go to houston everybody drink just yeah. for that reason because i would love to see kevin porter jr not give win by yama the ball one time because i think just the disdain that that young man would have on his face for KVJ would just make it yeah so spicy i'm i'm wondering though if in a different offensive system we get a different KPJ i we're already starting to see it a little bit right now since he's came back from injury where he's not really interested in taking the shot as much and realistically if you look at the style of offense the year before he came to houston and the way he was using luca in dallas that's basically the role he's put kpj in in houston and uh i i need to tell anyone but kbj is not luca so i i'm wondering if the coaching change turns kbj into more of a pass first player because that's what it looked like he was when he first came over from cleveland he would he had like 14 assist games and was going down to the g league and having games where he shot nine times in the g league so I, I haven't seen that guy in a long time now. I'm wondering if he still exists behind the wall of the Steel and Silas, Stephen Silas offense. No, and he won't be on this team. If, I think if, he will. If, 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 when Wayama comes to Houston, but we don't have to I worry about I, him. I think he will be on this team, but I, I understand. <laughs> We might have to put a little wager on that, buddy. I have to put some on that. We'll figure that one out. But it only happens if Win by Yama is on this team. Or Scoot. Well, if Scoot is on this team, he's definitely not on this team. 
Oh, I I think he plays a, a good brand of basketball with a player like Scoot. Because we need Jalen Green to play a good basketball. Oh, he definitely player. will. He definitely will. But with KPJ, you're looking at a guy who's six foot five and a half. He can slide up and play the three if need be in those offenses. And if KPJ is in that kind of role, the ball's in his hand way less. He can focus on the spot ups. I, I think that could be great for him. And like it's in KPJ's best interest to be on his best behavior next year because the Rockets have an option to just be out of his contract entirely. <sighs> well, we got sad news in the NBA. We got Kevin Durant being out for at least two to three weeks. That's a re reevaluation in two to three weeks. And where does it put Phoenix? I don't know. I have no idea. Booker scores a lot of points right now. You know, he can carry the load of the offense, but that that ankle sprain did not look great. Yeah. And now we just have nothing but chaos in the West, which is I don't know if this is entertaining. I don't know if it's sad. I don't I don't know. I, I have no idea. I think it's gonna make for good TV. So the playoffs are gonna make for good TV. Because I think the bottom of the West is gonna look like a who's who yeah. <laughs> of your I don't know if you want to call it your 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 royalty of the NBA. It's going to look like a who's who. Yeah. I mean, there are chances that you see, like, Steph Curry, like, in the sixth, sixth spot. Uh, that's where he is right now. There's a good chance that you might see, like, Kawhi Leonard in the seventh or eighth spot. Yeah, I man, they, I hope they keep losing. I'm I'm loving this <laughs> Clippers suck ever since we got their draft pick. And then you have the team that everybody just kind of crapped on. And how could they trade this guy and all these get all these and trade all these picks? Minnesota might find their way into mm-hmm. non play-in situation. Oh, yeah. they. Pro- I assume they will at this point with the three teams ahead of them in the Clippers, uh, Warriors, and Suns all in not the best position to close out the year. I, I think they're probably going to jump ahead of at least one of those squads. And with Cat coming back, I, I think uh-huh. you might you might have a situation where you can work it in a little easier at first than before. It seems like you might be able to slide him in like on a short minutes limit, considering how long this uh, injury has taken. And if you hypothetically were to bring Cat in at first, just like replacing Nas Reed's minutes and then slowly creeping them up from there into the playoffs, I think you might be looking at a spot where 
the Timberwolves are pretty hot towards the end of the year. I could see them climbing up maybe even as high as four. Carl Anthony Towns taking minutes away from slow-mo. That won't happen. <laughs> He's that, not, that, that can't happen. No, he, there's no chance. They need slow mo. Yeah, they, he's the best player on their team at times. He and then, is you gonna, got, then you got yeah. Daniels. He's got to play. Yeah, he he's playing a ton too. So there's there's where there's are still minutes. Minutes there. Oh, there's still a lot of minutes they could break up. For first of all, you gotta excise Nas Reed entirely from the rotation. But you can play uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker less, give McDaniels those minutes, and give Cat the minutes that are missing there. The five to seven minutes a game you give Luca Garza occasionally. There's minutes you could even take off Rudy's plate because he often gets in foul trouble. There is, I think, tons of options for Cat to take minutes without taking minutes away from their good players. I just can't wait till the offseason and see what Minnesota does with this team because I think the writings on the wall about someone's tenure in Minnesota, personally, I think we need to aggressively start this uh, era of Anthony Edwards in a real way. I think they already have. Well, I think we need to continue. I the teams <clears throat> the team's pretty built around him. Like a guy like Jaden McDaniels refusing to trade him. I think a big part of that is how well he works with a guy like Ant on the outside, give, making sure Ant never has to defend the best wing defender. Um a guy like Mike Connolly over D'Angelo Russell, we've talked about this already, but that is clearly an indication of moving in the direction of Anthony Edwards over Carl Anthony Towns. I I think this is kind of uh ant team right now that just has cat on it. I'm not even like fully sure what cat's best role is on this team like he's just oh, so i can tell you you want to know hmm. he is pick and and talent acquisition that's his well, best role on this team yeah i i i know that yeah that's, that's the, the role he has it. on this team but i don't care what i, I don't care what momo think... says i don't care what anybody says yeah, my I... first my first piece of business in the offseason is I am going to find a way to get picks and players back that fit Rudy Gobert, McDaniels, Anthony Edwards. That's that's what I want. I want that. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm point point guard would be great. Yeah, I'm not that here. I think Cat is a very good talent that if you try to put him away, there's no way you're going to get a player at his level at this You're point. not going to get a player at his level. I have no problem. I I get that part. 
that's why I think you you have to hold for one more year and see what this or what this team looks like. And then on the other side of this year, you're also looking at Rudy Gobert being a year older. You're looking at Mike Conley being a year older. You could trade Cat then, move on from that, and kind of rebuild a different look of the organization around Ant if need be. I think that's a way better inflection point, especially considering this offseason, you're going to need to give McDaniels the big money. So it's going to be hard to sell me on we're moving into the tax for the first time in this new ownership's history. And we're also trading away our second best player. I, I cannot fathom like moving in that direction. To jump up in the West because the West can be had. That is the caveat on the back end of that, because you know, and I know that Carl Anthony Towns, does not, will not, refuses to play defense. Uh, he played. He played some of the best defense of his career in the last in last year's playoffs, and they kind of built their defense around him blitzing and stuff. He is. I do. I wouldn't say he refuses to play defense. I think he tried actively to get better last year, and I think we could have been working into a situation that would be even better for him. Working with Gobert, it just takes time to figure that system out, and he didn't have the time. I, I'm, uh, I think just a lot more bullish on Cat as a player than you are. We've talked about this 100%. before, but like, one hundred percent. I think it's it's becoming more extreme as time passes. I don't think he fits one. I think he's a tremendous offensive player. I think if he – I am going to sound like a complete moron when I say this, but this might actually be the clip. I wonder – if he was the piece that went back to Utah and not the other pieces, what this team would look like? Uh, I'm I'm not sure because, like, I mean, you talking, I mean, you seen Walker Kessler there too with him? You know, yeah. like you put Walker Kessler with him, and you imagine like Lauren Marketing, Cat. Kessler, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, you need to surround that cat with a bunch of dudes. Yeah, I I agree, but I think they got a bunch of dudes. But I think the biggest piece that they lost (laughs) Minnesota, like, on the team this year in that move would have been Vando. And I don't know if they would have signed Kyle Anderson if they would have kept Vando and Kyle Anderson's been crucial for this team this year. So I I kind of think that they ended up okay on the other side of that. They could have used a Patrick Beverly type, but they're trying to let Jordan McLaughlin like fill into that role behind Mike Conley. He's not the greatest player, but he is talented. So I I'm interested in seeing what that's like. They've also moved a guy like Austin Rivers out of the rotation. 
Uh, oh, he's, he's known to have one big playoff game, though, per team he's on. So I'd look out for that this year. Um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker has actually been really good for them as well. He can defend now, and he's been hitting over 40% of his threes. I think he's at like 42% on the air or something. Yeah, 42.1. So uh, that's a very interesting wing they have. I I like this Minnesota team on uh, an outside level. I, I like I this think, team too. This one. I like this team. But I think this team with Cat can still be good. I think there's a lot of... There's a lot of other fat you can trim around the edges and have it work. I've, I know the, the tenure amongst Minnesota fans, including our guy Momo, is that perhaps Chris Finch isn't the best guy to optimize this kind of team. They, they were, I've seen a lot of Timberwolves fans, and not just Momo, upset when Quinn Snyder took the Atlanta job because they really wanted him to figure out their uh, defense around Rudy. So I'm wondering if I, I really like Chris Finch, so I think they should keep him employed. I'm wondering if maybe in the offseason they go find some sort of new defensive coordinator or something. And once that happens, I'd be. I, again, I'd like to see maybe 35 games next year with Cat on that team to see what it looks like. You have a lot more uh, optimism on Cat working with Minnesota than I do, which I mean, I can I can wrap my head around. I mean, I definitely am the person who would say let's let's take a breath. Mm-hmm. So I'm not like beholden to this thought process that I'm on. But I am just, I've seen so much in Cat. I thought the performance in the playoffs last year was abysmal. I thought the foul situation was abysmal. I thought his his lack of understanding the moment was horrific. For somebody that if you're building a team around as a pillar, I'm not saying that he's the number one dude because we all know that Anthony Edwards is the number one guy there. Mm -hmm. I just don't know if he can be one of those pillars. I just, that was, that playoff performance really scared me about him because he's been in the league a long time, Nico. That's my problem is that if he, would have got there and understood the moment. And even he didn't play well, but it didn't look like he was getting like electric shock uh, treatments every time he was on the court, then we would be okay. But I'm looking at a guy who just clearly didn't understand the moment. Mm -hmm. And your 20 year old counterpart did understand the moment. Yeah. That's the scary part is that the the twenty year old showed the poise, mm-hmm. and but, I was like, okay, well, we're building the team around him, right? We're that's what yeah. we're doing, right? Yeah, right. scrap this other guy. But see, that's where you lose me. I I follow you the whole way around 
to in that whole conversation. Yes, he didn't understand the moment. Yes, Anthony Edwards did understand the moment. Yes, we need to build this team around Ant. But I don't think that means the nuclear option of just removing Cat entirely. I I think Cat is a number two guy. Like, I, he's not going to go somewhere else and magically figure out how to be number one. He needs to be behind some leader in the locker room. Clearly, like, the best season we saw from Cat in his early career was when KG was there whipping his ass into shape. Can, can I help with this? <laughs> I have the perfect team for Cat to go to. <laughs> I, we just listen, just listen just listen yeah it'd be perfect for both both teams that's what i'm trying to tell you i i, I don't it. think the other team would do it because they look at cat and they go that's an l for us but if you could trade cat to the boston celtics and you trade jalen brown to oh, yeah. minnesota swap those dudes Momo would kill you right now. You swap those dudes. You did. That dude. Not great. But I have Robert Williams that helps me on the other end. And I got Jason Tatum. You see what I'm saying? And then I got shooting. I I can be the number two. I don't think it's that different with having Rudy Gobert and Jaden McDaniels and having Robert Williams, Jason Tatum. He is, because he still thinks he's the number one. We got Brandon Ingram syndrome all over again. I don't think this that's permanent. I think Cat is going I think Cat is going to very clearly see he's the number two option when he comes back. I like trading away his friend for Mike Conley, it couldn't have been a clearer like example to him. This is not your team anymore. And by the way, you're out the door too. I came all away. Call Anthony Towns. If you have a house in Minnesota, go get a realtor. <laughs> go get that squared away, bro. Just let I, you know. Because if I was a GM, you wouldn't last three seconds. You, like when I, I got introduced at the change. press conference, and when I get introduced at the press conference, it would be like my first piece of business. <laughs> uh, no, I think that it would be a bad move. I uh, understand where everybody's coming from with that, and I understand that I, he's I, a polarizing figure. I'm just saying for me, yeah, for what I want to see on a basketball team, I want to see. More Anthony Edwards, less Carl Anthony Towns. Actually, I like to see the Carl Anthony Towns I'm seeing right now. Can uh, I see this? No. Nah. Why not? Can I yeah. not see? Can I just see no. this? This is uh, the version of Carl Anthony Towns I want to see on the Timberwolves. Actually, can I see this uh, one? No. No. Yeah. No, yeah. No. This is it. More. More McDaniel's. More Anthony Edwards. More. Semblance of good cohesive offense with Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert and less Carl. Actually, this amount of Carl Anthony Dallas yeah. it works perfect. Perfect for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I'm convincing you at this point. No, you're not. 
you're yeah. not. I mean, this is just how it is. Oh, I I do have a couple other things that I want to get to. And I have questions for you. Yeah. <laughs> With the West being so tumultuous at this point in time. Mm-hmm. The Lakers are really actually in the plan right now they and are. could make a a mini run and they, they could, could get to six. They could get to six. They, they could. could. Everybody's playing like not great, and they're getting D'Angelo Russell back tonight. Uh-huh. So your lack of optimism or optimism that the Lakers could push for six as of right now? Uh, six might be a little difficult because of that team we just talked about. I think Minnesota is going to be pushing up the the standings as well. So I think... I'm not 100% sure you can necessarily contend with them. But uh, honestly, I might like your chances better at 7 or 8 against a team like Denver or Memphis than against what I think will probably be Phoenix. I don't want to play Denver. That's fair. That's fair. But I'd rather play Denver than Phoenix. I don't want to play against Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul in the first round. I I understand. Do you, do you believe that they're going to get to two or three? I think, think they're going to get to three. I think they wow. got a chance to get to three. Wow. I, just because the rest of the season, their schedule is pretty easy. So I think they should be able to close it out. They've got Orlando, they've got OKC, they've got Utah, who's going to be shut off by that point. They've got Philadelphia, who should be shut off by that point. So I think they're sitting in a spot where they should win a lot of these remaining games. I guess they do have the two heads with Sacramento specifically. So Sacramento. If Sacramento can win those games, it's going to be a harder contest. So I guess you you would rather play the Kings, obviously, than either of those teams. But I would just be worried that you're going to see the Suns in the three seed. So I I might prefer to finish in that seven eight seed, even if you have to beat the Pelicans in a play-in game or whatever the case. I wonder if Phoenix has the finishing kick to get to three. Because I think without Durant, they don't. I just, I love Booker. I Mm -hmm. love what he's able to do, but I love Booker a lot more with Kevin Durant. Yeah. Like, I think they could stay where they are. I think maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe get to three and like Memphis falls apart. Mm -hmm. Right. And like Sack goes to two, Phoenix goes to three on that. And then uh, I definitely don't want to play Phoenix. I would definitely want to play Sack at that point. Mm-hmm. It, it, a lot of it depends on those head-to-head games. If if they can split the head-to-head games, I 
think they have a chance to get to three just because they're going towards the end of the year and they're going to have shit to play for. And a lot of teams they play against are not going to have anything to play for. So that it's going to be Devin Booker against Eugene Humaniori and stuff. It'll be easy for the Suns to be able to finish the year out. All right. Now, you don't have a college basketball team to speak of, sir. No, I don't. But here in Casa de Vince, we mm-hmm. are all in on fours up, eight clap all day, UCLA Bruins, who won their first uh, game in the Pac-12 tournament mm-hmm. last yesterday, which was awesome. We play Oregon today. And then it looks like we're on a collision course with uh, Arizona for the Pac-12 uh, conference tournament. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> with the madness about to start, who do you think will be in your final four when you make the selections? When you put your bracket together and you want to have your one shining moment and win your bracket yeah who else is in on it who what what other canadian brethren is in on your bracket is it is it little is johnny from the timmy hortons down the street in your bracket i just need to know no i i didn't do uh man i could not put together a bracket here of people who play college or know anything about college basketball it'd be impossible very hard to find. Um, I have an actual... our friends on the Discord. I know they're into their bracket. Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're in the bracket too. I haven't actually set mine yet. I haven't looked at the bracket itself. Do we have? No, it's not. I'm no, just saying. No, like, no, do okay. you have a? You I, I have a six teams. teams. Yeah, like what, what's yeah, the couple teams that you feeling really I good about? few teams i that the team we've talked about a lot during this show i think is actually interesting in alabama i i think they could make an impact they've got a lot of very good players and i i wouldn't want to see them win march madness though after having so many national championships but i i think it's gonna probably come down to the other three teams are your boys in UCLA. They're they're clicking right now. I think Jarris Walker, Marcus Sasser, and Houston is going to be a problem. And uh, my my Canadian brethren, Zach Eady at Purdue, is going to be uh, an issue in these playoffs. It's going to be hard for certain teams to match up with. Arizona, another good squad. I, I those are the teams I'm kind of on so far. Um, I think Arizona might be missing the ultimate firepower to get over the top, but I I do like I would say those five teams best. All right, well I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. Kansas somehow some way. <laughs> The Big 12 somehow, someway gets one team in there. Yeah. Guaranteed. Kansas probably the best bet. Mm-hmm. But that whole that whole conference has been just ridiculous this year. I don't know if you've seen any of their games. Yeah, like, I've seen a yeah. few. They, they play with baseball bats and all kinds of stuff. It's great. <laughs> um, 
Houston scares the living daylights out of me. Yeah. You know. But I'm definitely looking at UCLA going, this is the team that I thought would start the year off. Mm -hmm. And it just took a while for it to show up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They believe, which is scary. (laughs) That's the scary part. And they have a ton of experience, which is always good at this time of year. Definitely. Is there a guy in the tournament that you're sitting there going like, he's in my late teens to like the end of the first round that might jump up? Uh, yeah. yeah, actually, another guy from Alabama there. I'm really intrigued by Noah Clowney. This center class this year is pretty barren. And Clowney might not be your most traditional five. He's pretty slight at about 210 pounds, 6'10". But his ability is incredibly impressive. I love to watch him jump. He's also kind of unafraid to take the three-pointer, though he hasn't been hitting very many. His his touch doesn't look excellent on the three-pointer and free throws. Numbers are both a little below average. Though if you could see that form clean up a bit and he starts hitting a couple more shots, I I could really see Noah Clowney having a huge tournament and working his way into that lottery definitively with this weak center crop. I'm going to put the reverse curse on somebody because I don't want him to have a good tournament for specific (laughs) reasons. My my guy, Hood Shafino, out of Indiana, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of hoping that he doesn't have a good tournament. I think he's going to. I know. Stop. Stop yourself. This is what happened to Chris Duarte and my dreams of that falling apart. Mm -hmm. But if we can get Hood Shafino to like the 19th pick overall. Oh, man. I I might be looking at him with that Clippers pick we have. Uh, I like him quite a bit. Stop. Um, that's an impressive kid. I thought you were going to say uh, even more self-interested. You were hoping that our guy Amari Bailey doesn't have a big tournament because then he might just go instead of coming back. Oh uh, no, I'm 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 fully aware that Amari Bailey is about to punch his uh, ticket to the NBA because I, if you uh, didn't see the first game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Said, oh, okay. He said, "Oh, okay, oh, okay." <laughs> Are we here now? Yeah. Oh, okay. He is a complete <laughs> NBA player because he went yeah. like this. All right, wake me up when the Pac-12 tournament starts. Oh, we, we here? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This this uh, this Death Star is fully operational. It yeah. is. Man, getting to the free throw line nine times in a game like that, incredibly impressive, especially from a guy like him who hasn't really shown much this year well he's shown a decent amount as a player just he hasn't shown a tendency to get to the line i mean i what what actually happened was if you want to know is that he the whole time this year and they started to do it last year and i saw it 
and I think I mentioned it to you, but mm-hmm. I noticed that Tiger started taking corner threes last year, like towards the late end of the year and then into March Madness. And I said, yeah. I bet you he plays off ball next year a lot. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And I said he didn't shoot really well, but I noticed that he started to shoot them. Little did we know that Tiger was going to learn how to pump fake and then go to the rim and then, like, create more, like, chaos with that action. Yeah. But the whole whole premise of it was that Amari Bailey needed the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. And they weren't able to do it this year early because he did the one thing that you can't do as a freshman for Mick Cronin, and that's turn the ball over. Yeah. But they kept trying it, and they kept giving it to him. And it finally worked in the Pac-12 tournament. Yeah. <laughs> where where do you think uh, Amari Bailey will go? What range are you thinking for him now? You think back end of the first? He still has to put more on tape to 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 levy that type of excitement, honestly. And to tell you the truth, I mean, if you want to talk about my own selfish thoughts, I would love for him to come back because I think if he came back, he would be a lottery pick. And I'm talking about a high. Yeah, guy. He'd be looking at a situation similar to what Ivy was in last year, I think. Mm -hmm. But if he continues this, I think he would be around the where Peyton Watson went last year. Like he would be like in the twenty six to twenty five to thirty range. I think he's shown a little more than a guy like Peyton Watson. The the problem is just it's this. a class. Yeah, it, class. it is deeper, but I'm not sure it's deeper at that specific area necessarily. I I thought last year's class the the strength of it was as soon as you got to like 20 or 21, and then you looked at the next group of guys. I could go to like 45 with a guy that guys that I like quite a bit this year. It's a little bit less that way. There aren't as many guys I can justify as first round picks as I could last year. So that being said, David Roddy ended up being a first round pick anyways. Um, so I'm, I'm a little more concerned. I'd say that um, he ends up just l- looking at a situation and maybe he, he gets a promise at 18 and comes out. Like, oh, if he gets somewhere in the teens, he's gone. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm just saying, like, I'm, I'd be a little more concerned that that might happen just because I, I think the depth might be a little tested at that range. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I still think that we haven't seen like the mid major guys really, you know, and the scouts haven't seen the mid major guys at all. Really, yeah, I mean, not the scouts, the GMs. Mm. I haven't really seen them. So, and we don't know about a couple of the what the couple of the international kids. Yeah, yeah, there are some international guys who are undecided in this year's class. That being said, I 
I'm not sure. There's a lot of guys who are um, currently expected to go within that range. I think it's more of like the the back end of the second round stash guys we're looking at. I'm trying to. I don't think I've seen him that high anywhere. He would really have to. Mm-hmm. Like he'd have to be the second leading scorer on the UCLA team on a Final Four march. Yeah, for him to get to eighteen, to I think there? I just think he'd need a good combine. To be honest, oh, I wow. he he's shown the ability to flash here and there, and he's playing on a team like UCLA, which is at such a high level there's so many guys demanding minutes that like the fact that we've seen him show up and show out a little bit i i think there is a distinct possibility we could end up with him in that range i i'm calling my shot with this one a little bit but i i see it in the cards if that happens yeah i mean that's what is supposed to go down so I, I don't mind if he leaves. He was supposed to be one and done anyway. Having mm-hmm. him as a second year is more of a greedy thing or whatever. I want him to absolutely live out his dreams. And if he can get to that that right after the lottery type of uh, hemisphere, then yeah, yeah, go. Somewhere like Utah, I think, would be. I, please don't go to Utah. For the love of God, if Amari, just come back, just come back home. (laughs) Just come back to UCLA, man. I, I if you listen, you end up somewhere like, okay, see, okay, don't, don't end up in Utah, man. Don't do it. Don't do it. I just, the on court fit, I think, would be Toronto. That's where I want them. Yeah, light skinned brothers with Drake. <laughs> yeah, he he could hang out with uh, his that. new dad there. He would be talking about his woes. The guy who I'm really worried about wasn't Bailey. Mm. It's Bona. That's who I'm really worried about. Yeah, no, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to replace yeah. that cat. I I thought we were reserved to that yeah. at this point. I think Bona uh, is yeah. a really intriguing prospect. Bona is my guy. So yeah, yeah he's doing freaky athletic things. Especially uh considering like what I was saying about Noah Clowning earlier, just we have a particularly sparse big class this year with guys like Lively and uh Khalil Ware really disappointing. So teams are gonna be looking at Bona and saying like what other centers are there if they don't like Clowney or uh Klingon, I guess a little later, or Edie, I in the second round maybe like those are the only other centers who off the top of my head are even gonna like garner draft interest so I think Bona is definitely a guy I'd try and make a move on 100 
is there a guy that is going to shoot up draft boards that shouldn't? Who's the guy? Who's the Adam Morrison of March Madness this year? Oh, or or who who was the other guy? Who was the other guy that everybody loved? Was it Napier? Napier had one. Oh, yeah, Napier had a good year. Napier. He had a good year. Um, he he did. I I'm not sure if we have uh, an obvious candidate for that. I, a guy I'm hesitant to say because I think he could be a good pro still is Marcus Sasser. I could see maybe he just goes nuclear and ends up getting drafted at like nine or something, and that would be crazy. That would be more similar to a guy like Davion Mitchell. Uh, in my mind, um, another dude, he's a little older and he's been around the block, so maybe not. Maybe teams will smarten up, but Kirk Carissa is another guy who I could see just getting irresponsibly hot from three, and then all of a sudden he goes at 28. And in a few years from now, he's like struggling to make the team in, in on the Edmonton Stingers or something. But uh, those are those are a few of the guys I could see making a run up. The one guy that I'm really scared about is the guy from Creighton, Hawkins. Yeah, that's the guy. Because I think that he has the ability to have the ball in his hands, score a lot, and get if he got hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did you see him moving like to like low end lottery, uh, like to, like low end lottery? He need to. I don't think he should. I don't. I don't think he deserves it. That's my yeah, point. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like mm-hmm. some team falls in love with him. He's heady. All this other. He, we hear all the stuff that we normally do, and it's like, no, no, no. That dude should have went 22. Yeah, <laughs> that dude should have went 25. We we we, I think- we clowned ourselves. <laughs> He'd need to go pretty nuclear. I think. I'd like sure, sure it's possible, but I I'd have a hard time seeing it. I I guess you could also say something similar about like Kevin McCuller from Kansas. He's another guy who, if he gets incredibly hot and all of a sudden Kansas wins the national championship, maybe there's a team in like that that late lottery. Well, that that might be a bit too much of a reach, but like that 20 range who looks at Kevin McCullough, really interesting. Man, it could even be Grady Dick. What happens if Grady Dick just gets like scorching hot and shoots like 60% three throughout the tournament and all of a sudden he gets trapped in six overall? I I don't know. It's always possible in March. That's, That's where my money is, is Grady Dick. Is that Grady Dick somehow becomes a top five guy? Oh man! <laughs> and and like I don't want it for the kid because I actually really like him. Mm-hmm. I think I'm higher on him than you are, actually. Yeah, but, yeah, I'm not the highest, but I do like him. But if that dude went like five, yeah, yeah, all those I, I'm like, ooh, yeah. Oh. You basing reputation on your situation, huh? Uh-huh. So, yeah. So that's the primer for the March Madness. 
I think we are pretty much done here for the Canadian bomber, for the Canadian shaman, for the Canadian Bill Simmons, and for the Canadian Zagalo, Nico Miatello. Do you have any other words as we go into the madness after this weekend? No specific words. Just I'm I'm excited for the brackets to come out and to get ready to go. Give us a follow at Frontrunner PC on Twitter at Nico FRPC on Twitter. Uh, we we'd love to have you. And we have a really exciting Monday football podcast coming. Yeah. So. All the names are out there. If you are a football fan, be on this feed Monday. I don't think we have to hit any kind of emergency pod between now and then unless some Lamar Jackson news breaks or some Aaron Rodgers news breaks. We might have to be on that. So. But, yeah, I can't wait for that discussion on Monday. And we will see you then. And you guys have a good weekend. Thank <laughs> you.